I pray that there will be breakthroughs this morning because of God, because of His Word, because of His Holy Spirit. We're in the midst of a series just getting started, living in Jesus' name, and today we're going to talk a lot about relationship. To live in Jesus' name is all about the health of our relationship with Him. I shared last week that Man, we live in hard times. We live in a time that the world is so complicated and we just see uh, ever-increasing darkness. And, and the God of this age, Satan, is just distorting truth and trying to get into our heads. And there are so many of our church family that are dealing with just incredible challenges, whether it's in the area of health or relationships, just complicated things, difficult things. And we so stand in need to see God show up in powerful ways. And so we ask the question, how can we bring the presence and power of Jesus into our lives and into the spaces that we inhabit? And my hope is that in the coming days that, that there will be increasing numbers of us who are, are desperate to see God do a work first in our own hearts and, and then in the hearts of our church family and then to use this church family to pierce through the darkness of, of our world. And, and, and with that being a heavy burden on my heart, uh, we've had discussions among ministry leaders uh, uh, for the last couple months and, and also have had some discussions with our elders and just talking about what is our, our church family facing and, 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 and what is the cry of our heart for, for our lives, for our families, for our church. And, and we've taken time just to quietly pray and we've taken time to write out very brief prayers about this is this is the passion of my heart this is the cry of my heart and, and so I've asked a, a couple individuals, one ministry leader, uh, Joe's going to be coming up just to share his brief prayer, his cry to God, and then that's going to be followed by George coming up, uh, our, our elder chair, and, and he's going to be sharing the cry of his heart for, for, for them, for our church family. And so, Joe, if you would just come out and, and cry out to God on our behalf. Sure. Good morning, church. Let's pray. Oh, God, give, give us hungry hearts, hearts that grow in hunger for you. God, with a hunger that rises above the noise of our life, the distractions, anything that pulls us away from you, Father, give us this kind of hunger. God, strengthen our families. God, give us hearts that they want to share Jesus with the lost world. And Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Heavenly Father, give us a sincere and overwhelming desire for righteousness. 
Give us a love for your word that keeps us in your word and keeps us in prayer. Through these endeavors, Lord, may we have undying love for one another, an abiding hope in you, and a consistent Christian witness to everyone that, that we know and people that we don't know that, that uh, you bring our way. God, we just want to live for you. We truly want to be your people doing your work in your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the cry of your heart? What are the things that, that you're up against? What are the challenges that you face and, and your family faces? And, and, and you're aware of our church family and things that we're facing. What is the cry of your heart? And I so encourage you in the coming days and weeks to, to write out, God, this is the cry of my heart, and then pray that over and over. And, and we're going to see in the coming weeks and months just opportunities for people to do just what Joe did and, and just what George did, to just stand and, and just briefly share that cry for God. May we call for the presence and the power of God to come down, to break chains, to open eyes to the gospel, to bring confession, to bring repentance, to see God do a work that, that, that is so extraordinary that it can only be explained by his presence and his power. Amen? Amen. You know, a key verse last week was in John chapter 20, verse 31, and it says, but these things are written, and, and it's, you know, John's getting near the end of the book, and he's written about a lot of the accounts of Jesus, the things that he, have, he has done. He says, but these things are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, by believing in him, knowing who he is, and believing in who he is, you will have life by the power of his name. And so in this journey, uh, in these coming couple months, we're, 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 we're on this track committed to, to just saying, God, we, we want to know you, and, and, and we want to live lives that are lived by the power of your name of who you are. You know, in any relationship, communication is the key, and, and we're all involved in relationships every day, and we know that whether it's with our spouse or, or our children or friends or coworkers or neighbors, uh, whoever it might be, that, that if communication starts to break down, that, that there is a problem there, something needs to be done, something's wrong. And, and in any relationship, communication is the key, and in your sermon, guys, the first section is entitled connecting to God. And Jesus, led by example, he shows us what it should look like for us to connect with the living God. As Jesus' presence and power spread, growing numbers of people came around clamoring. They wanted a piece of him. They wanted to know more. And, and it says in Luke 5, 16, but 
but Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. And, and Jesus didn't let the surging popularity that was all around him define him or be what floated his boat. He understood that to complete his mission that he had been sent on, that, that he would need to regularly connect with his Father in heaven. I'll tell you, I, I'm sorry to say that, that there have been times in my ministry experiences where I have allowed people's opinions and perceptions and, and the flow of a ministry become what floats my boat. And, and, and boy, I tell you, when I do that, my reservoir just empties out. And at some point I realized I've, I've got nothing worthwhile to give. And so the only thing that can fill that reservoir, it is all about the relationship. It is all about me. It's all about you regularly connecting with the living God. Jesus reached out to and depended on his father in every aspect of life. When, when, when he was about to bring his healing presence to a person's life, he, he would reach out to God before eating, when seeking his father's will, when making important decisions. We see an example of that in Luke chapter 6. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And he prayed to God all night. He prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, those that were following after him, and chose 12 of them to be apostles. We were talking about this in Life Group this past week, and I'm like, it's crazy, isn't it, to think about the Son of God staying up all night. There's going to be an important decision to make, and he felt a need. I mean, the Son of God felt a need to stay up all night to figure out who are to be those disciples or to prepare their hearts for the ask to be a disciple. The Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, up all night connecting to his Father in heaven. There are over three dozen passages which portray Jesus praying, beginning with when he was baptized, just prior to being baptized and hearing the words, the affirming words from his Father in heaven, declaring that he is his Son and he's well pleased with him. Jesus, it says, was, was praying to his Father in heaven. At the end of his ministry, we see him anguishing in the Garden of Gethsemane, pouring his heart out to the, his father, just saying, it, you know, this was deep emotion he was feeling. He was distraught. And he's crying out, and he's just saying to his father, is there any other way but not my will, but your will be done. And then on the cross... <laughs> communication with his father. Father, forgive them, the very ones that were nailing him to the cross and, and, and jeering at him. Father, forgive them. And, and a little later, as, as he became sin for us and our sin and the punishment of our sin was falling on him and his father turns his back on him, he cries out to his father, my God, my God, why have you abandon me. And then as he's ready to breathe his last breath again, talking to his father, father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. You know, for 
three pretty concentrated years, the disciples got to see Jesus. They got to see him not just three dozen times, but, but over and over and over, Jesus talking to his Father in heaven, sometimes in private, sometimes among the masses. And, and, and he, they saw the, 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 the consistency. They saw the impact of those prayers. So they asked Jesus, please teach us how to pray. A very familiar prayer, a prayer that can be prayed in less than 30 seconds, and yet God in his wisdom, you know, speaking into the lives of the disciples, incorporates every important aspect of prayer. Let's recite this together here this morning. Can we together? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You notice that this prayer, this pattern of prayer that, that we're encouraged to follow begins and ends with the focus on God. And when we have our focus on God, when that relationship is good, the things we find in the middle of this prayer are basic needs and the, the, uh, being able to see evil and be able to resist temptation, those things fall in place. And, and today we're going to concentrate uh, mostly on verses 9 and 10, that focus on God, because we're talking about our relationship with him, our connection with him, our communication with him. And, and it begins in verse 9. Jesus says, pray then in this way, my Father who is in heaven. And, 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 and that phrase, my Father or our Father, refers to to God in a way that was unthinkable to the first century Jewish mind. They, they saw God is being way out there and, and not reachable. And so certainly the terminology would have gotten their attention. Father translates the Greek word pater, and it's a very personal expression of relationship. And it's thought that possibly Jesus, at least from what we can see recorded in writings throughout the ages, might have been the first one to refer to the living God as Father. The early church, those, those first followers of Jesus, quickly picked up that expression and, and used it often. God loves us like a father and you know, none of us who are fathers here today are perfect fathers. And none of us have had perfect fathers. But our Father in heaven, this very personal living God is perfect. And he loves to hear the details of our lives. He goes on to say, who is in heaven? Our Father who is in heaven. God who is willing to be in a very and desires to be in a very personal relationship with us is also 
one who exists in glorious realms that we can only imagine. He's the majestic sovereign of the entire universe. Anyone who has gotten a personal glimpse of him, what has been the result? They, they usually fall to the ground, they tremble, they shake, they feel fear because of his awesomeness, of his power, of his absolute holiness. And, and, and so we have a God who is a very personal God, but he's also that, that sovereign, powerful God who, who sits on the throne of the universe. There's huge, beautiful ramifications of that combination of God being our Father and God being in heaven, that place of authority. We can know that, that we're known by God, that we're, we're, we're never alone, no matter what we're going through. We can know that we have access to the throne of God. We know that there will never be a shortage of available resources because all of heaven is available to us. A God who is powerful, a God who is very personal, who desires a relationship with us. As I said last week, with any truth, we can hear a truth, we can believe that truth is real, but that falls short of us knowing the blessing of that truth in our personal lives. And, and we have to connect ourselves to that truth. How? Through faith. Faith connects us to, tethers us to the truth of what God declares in who he is. If I don't apply that faith to it, if I don't tether myself to that truth by faith, I, I won't appropriate it. I won't experience the blessing of that truth day to day in my life. Jesus never lost his sense of his need to connect to his Father in heaven. And if he needed that kind of connection, how much more do you and I need to have that kind of connection with our God if the perfect Lamb of God, the Son of God, continually reached out to his Father in heaven, had that need? We who are broken, who are fallen, are in the blessed position of being adopted by our Father, part of his family, and yet weak and flawed in so many ways. You know, this time of year, and we just got through Christmas here, and you know, you, you drive around the community and you, you see Christmas displays, and some are very simplistic, and, and, and maybe just a nativity scene with a light and maybe a few things. Others have... Woo! I mean, they are just loaded. They're, you know, if it's a porch or if it's a yard, everything, it's like every square foot is taken with those displays. And, and, and I've seen some of those displays driving around where, where it's like almost every aspect of Christmas you can think about. There's a blow up something showing that. And, and, and you can see elves at some of these and, and Santa Claus and maybe Mrs. Claus. And, and, and you can see snow and you can see reindeer and you can see, you know, you name it. There's characters I've seen. I, I'm sure they're from movies. I have no clue who they are, but, but, 
but they're part of Christmas. And, you know, every now and then when I've seen these, I've, I've had this feeling like, man, there's just, Jesus is not represented here in any way. And, and it's missing the whole point. And, and I truly had, had this thought and expressed it to my wife, Diane, that, man, I, you know, I'm going to Hobby Lobby or somewhere and buy a little nativity scene. And I'm just going to sneak it onto the scene behind Santa Claus, maybe, just that, that Jesus makes his appearance there. Jesus, the hope of the world, Jesus who was born to deliver us. And yet, you know, if in our lives, our lives can be like some of those yards. Our lives get so cluttered with things that, that don't represent Jesus, that don't contribute to his kingdom and his purposes, and, 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 and they can just consume us and fill every square foot of our lives. And, and sometimes we, we feel a little guilty about that. And we, so we say, well, let's add a little nativity scene to my life. Let's have this little slice. I'll, I'll take five minutes in the morning and, 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 and I'll, I'll, I'll read a devotional. I'll spend just a little time with God. And then we go back out into the clutter. But Jesus showed us we need so much more than the addition of just a little add-on to our lives. He never meant to just be an add-on. He wants us to understand that we are clueless without him. We are powerless without him. We are not the light of the world without him. He wants to be in every part of that display, <laughs> shining brightly into our world. I just encourage you to spend some time, even now, in the coming days, to talk to God about your connection time with him. Because it, it'll always come down to, do we think we really need him? Is he really supreme? Is he our greatest need? If that's our conclusion, then we will be reaching out to him on a regular basis. So important, connecting to God. The second section here is honoring God. And a healthy relationship is one that's, that's honoring to God. And Jesus continues, our, our Father who is in heaven, he says, hallowed be your name. And, and, and first, it's important for us to think about the significance of, of, of that phrase, your name, your name, hallowed be your name. You know, what do you think about when you hear a name, you know? You, you, you just hear a, a random name and someone says, yeah, uh, starts talking about George maybe. And, 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 and right away, though there's no George in the room, uh, you, you think probably about a George or maybe a couple Georges you know. Or, or someone says the name John or, or, or Eileen, you, 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 you think about that name and, and though you might not know the Eileen they're talking about, You've known an Eileen or maybe several, and what do you think about? You think about memories of that person. You think about characteristics of that person, and, and maybe depending on the phase of life they were in, maybe, maybe there's good things that come to mind. Maybe there's bad things that, that come 
to mind, oh, that was a considerate person, or that was a selfish person, or a loving person, or a prideful person, or, or, or boy, do they have a temper, or, or boy, they are so patient, or oh, they are so controlling. And the same's true when people hear our names. They, you know, they're, they're not just going to think about the letters, K-E-N. They're, they're going to think about characteristics of us, their connection to us, their memories of us. It's about so much more than a name. It's about everything that we are that comes to mind. And here, the, 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 the exhortation is, is, is to pray, hallowed be your name. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and here the word name includes everything that God has revealed to us about himself, his character, his, his attributes, his actions, his, his plans, the things that he has promised us, and the primary source, the most reliable source to find out about God and what is behind that name is, is God's word. And, and we read in God's word that Jesus was like the best representation of us seeing who God really is. Hallowed be his name. When Jesus defined himself to the disciples and the crowds where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And, and Philip and, and the disciples were wondering and, and they asked Jesus the question, uh, you know, show us, show us the Father. Could you show him to us that we understand better? And Jesus answers in John 14, 9, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? And so when we look and study the life of Jesus, when we think about how do I live my life in his name, in the power of his name, we, we know that Jesus' life, he just beautifully lived out the very heart of our Father in heaven. You know, when we think of Someone who has a big name, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, they're in the music world or they're an actor or actress or, or maybe an athlete. When I think of an athlete that, that I really admire, I, I think about things about them. I think about their skills and, and I think about their contributions to the team. Man, how they, they, they when it's all on the line, they come through, they deliver. And, and, and if, if I find out that they have good character on the field and off the field, then, then, I, then I'm even more blown away by then. And, and then if I read something and find out or I hear them sharing that, that they're a follower of Jesus, I am all in. I might even buy their jersey. And you'll find me talking to people about that athlete, I will be lifting up their name saying, wow, did you see what they did? Did you see that run? Did you see that catch? Did you see how they just took charge and dominated that game? We, we honor their name, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy, set apart from, from, from the ordinary, from the mundane, from the flawed. 
And this isn't a call to say, God, become more holy because, because God is holy. It's what he is to pray, hallowed be your name. Is just personally, it's declaring our intention to live holy lives that honor God. I want my life. Hallowed be your name. May my life represent you well. May my life be a life that is a, a holy life that, that lifts you up. And part of declaring hallowed be your name is declaring that we want to see God's holy presence impact our dark and broken world. Hallowed be your name. I want to honor you and how I live and how I do relationships. I want to honor you in my marriage. I want to, I want to honor you. In how I raise my family, I want to honor you in the way that I work. Hallowed be your name. Practical ways that we can hallow how we can practically honor our holy God. One is just, guys, it's through obedience. We, we choose to obey him. We, we align our thoughts, our words, and our actions to who he is, that we bring ourselves, all that we are, into, into alignment with what he has declared to be true and who he is. He is holy. Hallowed be his name. I honor his name by simple obedience. Another practical way is by bringing the heart of Jesus into all our relationships, that, that, that we, we bring his grace and his love and his holiness and his truth and his kindness and, and his forgiveness, the forgiveness he has poured out on us. We bring that into every relationship. And a, another way is by reverencing and sharing the gospel in natural and loving ways, pointing people to a holy God who declares that we're not holy, but that we can be forgiven because Jesus died for us. Our prayers and that commitment to say, I want to live in Jesus' name, uh, you know, how do we do that? And, 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 and so there's those practical steps we can, we can take and, and they have a positive effect. But understand that, that our prayers, when we cry out to God above all else, they serve the purpose of bringing honor to God. Jesus says in John 14, 13, you can ask for anything in my name. Ask for anything. Now notice, Ask for anything in my name. We just define what all that encompasses. And I will do it so that, bring it to me in my name, and this is the result, so that the Son, Jesus says, so that I can bring glory to the Father. <laughs> And so as, as our prayers connect to who God really is and what he declares to be true, and then we cry out to God, God, please, in Jesus' name, move in this area. And as, as, as God then unleashes his power, we've gone through Jesus, and that prayer has, ends up bringing glory and honor to God. Hallowed be his name. Prayer's a pretty big deal, isn't it? 
pretty big deal. That connection, that relationship is a pretty big deal. And so we see that living in Jesus' name encompasses a lot. And and, and we can't ever let it be about us or about our agendas, our selfish desires. Living in Jesus' name and praying in Jesus' name is, is about aligning ourselves with all that he is. To pray in his name comes down to praying his heart for for our lives, for our families, and for our world. We're praying his heart. We're praying the heart of Jesus for our world. The last section here. An essential part of a healthy relationship is surrendering to God. Surrendering to God and Jesus continues in verse 10 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven folks the evidence mounts more and more every day that mankind that's us we are pathetic at building our little kingdoms here on this earth We just don't do a good job. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come is the cry of a humble heart that's just asking God, God, please replace the chaos of this world, the chaos of this relationship, the chaos in this family, the chaos in this workplace. Replace it with the sovereign rule of your kingdom. We see in Revelation 19.16 that God's kingdom will be fully realized when Jesus returns to this earth to reign as what? The king of all kings, the Lord of all lords. And and John's response at the end, as he thinks this through and writes it, he just cries out, come Lord Jesus, come, set up your kingdom and the chaos. Bring light, replace the darkness. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's a big one. We join Jesus in his kingdom building purposes by surrendering to God's will. Satan gets into our heads. He blinds us to truth. He distorts truth. He gets us believing that somehow what we want is better for us than what God wants for us. He gets us to believe that our will is better than his will. And so we continue to do it the way we want to do it. So there's that constant struggle. Am I going to focus on my little kingdom here on earth? Am I going to focus on my pile of treasures here on earth, trying to make them that pile higher and higher? 
or, or will I live my life in Jesus' name? Will I surrender to him? Uh, the, the surrender to him, your will be done. It's a, it's a merging of all that we are and all that we have with his kingdom priorities. Boy, Jesus, again, just showed us so well what that looks like when his disciples, after a long journey, realized we don't have food. They went into town to buy food and, and, and Jesus was tired from the long walk and it, he wearily sat down by a well and, and soon he got into a gospel-centered conversation with a, a lowly Samaritan woman and his disciples got back from their air and they had food and it says they didn't understand why is he talking to this woman and a, a Samaritan of all things. And, and why isn't he diving into the food that, that we brought him to eat? And Jesus says in John 4, 34, he explained, my nourishment, young men, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. My nourishment comes from finishing his mission. And so the nourishment that filled Jesus' reservoir, that, that fed him, a source that was more important than food, was, was his desire to honor his Father in heaven and to do his will, to submit to the will of his Father in heaven. He declares in John 8, 38, for I have come down from heaven to do what? To do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Oh, our Father in heaven, we call out, your kingdom come, your will be done. That is a surrender of all that we are. Jesus knew to be effective to stay healthy, to stay strong, that, that he needed to be in that constant state of surrendering to the will of his Father. Our, our obedience to God, what does your life look like? Our obedience to God, your obedience to God is the supreme indicator that, that I, that we really are one of his children, that obedience, that surrender to his will that results in actual obedience in how we do relationships, in how we do family, in how we function in our world. Are we the real deal? Are we really children of the Father in heaven? Jesus says in John, or in Matthew 12, verse 50, anyone who does the will of my Father, the one who obeys my Father in heaven, is my brother, my sister, my mother. They are the ones that are truly part of my family. Those who, what? Do the will of, surrender to the word of God, are obedient to the truth of God. They are the real deal. I think we're, I think we're familiar 
with commercials that we've seen. He <laughs> just says, if, if you're drunk, <laughs> turn your keys over <laughs> to someone else. Don't drive. If you're drunk and you drive, you're going to end up hurting yourself and you're going to end up hurting people around you. And so the exhortation, and it makes so much sense, give those keys to someone else to do the driving. Folks, we live in a world that is cluttered with all kinds of things that have nothing to do with Jesus or his kingdom. Filled with things that are temporal that will not last and it's intoxicating to us. It captures our hearts, it captures our minds. And we, the followers of Jesus, just can find ourselves stumbling along, not able to keep our bounds, falling over, hurting ourselves and, and hurting people around us. Maybe God brought you here today. And you've been stumbling around. And you've been intoxicated with all kinds of things that aren't connecting you to Jesus and to the relationship. And I want to encourage you today, right now, to think about, man, is it time for me to turn the keys over and surrender to Jesus? And I want you to think about what are those areas of your lives where, where there's been disobedience, where you just know it's wrong, but it's just the pattern, and it's who I become, and it seems like it works for me, but it doesn't work. I want you to think about that area where you've been in disobedience to God. And today you want to say, I'm turning the keys over because I'm messing up and I'm hurting myself and I'm hurting people around me. Would you bow your heads and would you talk to God? There is such blessing in confession and repentance. Go to God, call out to him with an honest, authentic heart. Tell him your heart. Allow him to to bring transformation into your life that will only be able to be explained by the presence and the power of God. Let's just quietly talk to God. I just encourage you to, to tether to God's truth through childlike faith. Believe Him. Talk to Him with an assurance, with a confidence because of His name, because of who He is, because of what He has done. It's time to turn those keys over. Surrender to Him.
Oh, Father God, our Father in heaven. God, there's many of us seated here today and, and we're sick and tired of the status quo. We're not satisfied with it anymore. Oh God, our God, we need you now. Jesus, you are the same God. You're forever faithful to satisfy us. We call out to you today. Fill us today with your presence and your power. We desire to live our lives in your name for your honor for your glory. Amen. Would you stand together? Let's sing together. I'm calling on the God of Jacob love endures through generations I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who opened up the ocean I know you now to do the same thing Oh God, oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness.
I want to close off with just a brief prayer that God's been forming in my heart and continuing to shape in my heart for me, for my family, for my church family. Father God, please release your Holy Spirit in our midst in powerfully transformational ways that create a culture that can only be explained by your presence, Father. Help us to obey you, reverence you, surrender to you, stand firmly on the authority of your unchanging word. Help us to shine your light with love and compassion. Empower us to live our lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I'll continue to allow God to form a cry in your heart, okay? Next week, Joe's going to be sharing with us another account from Jesus' life. And he goes into the temple and he shakes things up and he deals with some of that clutter in our lives that I alluded to today. So don't miss it. Invite a friend. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.